Hey y'all, Jake Bible here. Thank you for listening to the original podcast recording of Dead Mech that I released way back in 2009. I've had a lot of folks ask for these original recordings, so I thought I'd put them back out there for y'all to enjoy. The episodes will be released weekly for free, but if you don't want to wait, then head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe. Links are in the show notes. Paid subscribers receive access to all 26 episodes right now. And that's not all. Subscribers receive access to early release ebooks, getting them before they even go on sale in my online store or any of the retail sites, plus early access to new audiobooks, exclusive short stories, including the weekly Friday Night Drabble Party, live readings, and so much more. That's jakebible.substack.com. Subscribe now and get all the goods. Now, enjoy a little bit of the past. Thank you. You're listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel, written and performed by Jake Bible. This story is available only as a podcast novel and is not for the faint of heart. If you can't stand blood, gore, graphic violence, foul language, cannibalism, zombie hordes, or sexual situations, well then, you aren't invited to this party. For more details and info, go to jakebible.com. Feel free to leave your mark there. It's only fair. Episode 13, Chapter 6, Part 2. Jay choked on the rock dust, filling the now dark cavern. He switched on his halogen. Hey, kid, you okay? Get that shit out of my eyes, the rookie coughed painfully. Yeah, I'm fine. Jay turned about and pointed the light at what was the cavern entrance. Shit, that's not good. He tapped his comm. Masters, you there? Silence. Well, I don't know if Masters is alive or not, but if we plan on being part of the census count, we had better find that river of yours. Jay turned and hopped back in the mech. Just one more thing. Masters found himself in his mech flying through the air once more and then impacting with the ground so hard the armored windshield shattered. Masters tucked his head down, but shards of windshield still drove gouges across his face. Mother. Fucker. He whispered weakly. All alarms and warnings were cut short as Masters' mech died. That... Sucks. He unstrapped himself and struggled to open his cockpit, but the hatch was too damaged. Great, gonna die in my mech. Not how I wanted to go. I always assumed there'd be sex involved, but I guess we can't choose how we go out, huh? The rookie watched Jay step from the cockpit with a long steel tube in his hand. The hell is that? the rookie asked. Blueprints, Jay responded casually. Blueprints? You mean like paper blueprints? Yep, good old-fashioned blueprints. It's how I do all my designing. Jay saw the look on the rookie's face. Blueprints can't be lost with a hard drive wipe or memory dump. Now can they? No, I guess not, the rookie responded. But why are you bringing them with us? Because I've worked two years on these fuckers and I'm not fucking losing them now. The dead hill stomper lifted Masters' broken mech off the wasteland ground as the wa- waste storm began to intensify. 
Hey, fucker, you suck. Yeah, I said it. You fucking suck. I'm way too much meat for you to handle. You motherfucking deader piece of shit. Master screamed as the stomper brought the mech's cockpit to cockpit. Masters held his breath as the stench coming off the zombie pilot reached him, despite the raging winds. Jesus, you've gone off there, buddy, the zombie pilot weakly groaned. You ain't looking so good. Wastestorm debris began to pelt the mechs. You sure you can do this? Jay asked the rookie. Yeah, my legs are fine, he answered as the two left the main cavern and entered the mouth of the cave. Give me my pack. No, I'll carry both. I'm not a doctor, and your chest could start bleeding again at any time. The rookie smiled. Jay rhymed. Are you worried about me? Yeah, I'm worried about you. You're the only one that knows how to get to the fucking river. Admit it. You want me to live. Are you kidding me? Of course I... You're an asshole. The rookie laughed. Masters watched the stomper's other hand come at him. He grabbed the edge of his cockpit and waited. The stomper's cockpit opened in anticipation of the meal that would be thrust inside. Masters drew his sidearm. Night-night, stinky. Masters aimed and fired, the shriveled head of the zombie pilot exploding in a mass of rotted flesh and bone. The stomper shuddered and stumbled, causing Masters to almost lose his grip. He felt his own mech shake and leapt to the debtor's cockpit just as the stomper let go of Masters' mech. Masters watched it plummet to the ground. June stared at the empty bowl in her hands, knowing it wouldn't be the last meal she would be forced to eat. She took a deep breath and set the bowl aside. A hand gripped her shoulder and she jumped, looking up to see Olivia once again at her side. Come on, dear, Olivia said, her eyes sad and apologetic. You need to come with the others. June looked about and realized most of the villagers had left and were walking to the other end of the village. Where are we going now? I, I told you it would get worse. How far down do you think it is? Jay asked. I don't know. It's been years since I was here last, the rookie answered. But if I had to guess... Which you do, Jay interrupted. If I had to guess, the rookie continued, I'd say maybe three or four hundred yards down. Okay, we should get there in a few minutes then, Jay calculated. The two men walked a few more paces, then Jay held up his hand. Hold on. Be quiet. You hear that? Hear what? Shh, listen. Faintly, behind them, came a series of quick, scratching sounds. Masters yanked the zombie corpse free from its harness and tossed it out of the cockpit. It was so incredibly emaciated it weighed nothing it was blown nearly a quarter mile away by the storm winds before it hit the ground. Masters studied the cockpit and the controls. It was very similar to his mech, but with some major differences. Mainly, the lack of weapon systems. It was equipped with a wide sensor array, though, which would have been handy back in its construction days. Masters felt the stomper sway, buffeted by the winds. Hmm, looks like I'm still fucked. I can hear that now, the rookie whispered. What is it? Shh, Jay commanded. The scratching grew louder and became more pronounced. Oh, fuck. That's claws, the rookie finished. Both Jay and the rookie shone their halogens back the way they came. Yards away, the mouth of the cave became obscured by bodies. Undead bodies. Fucking debtors! Must have ran from the storm! But the entire cavern is crawling with them! Jay yelled, lifting his carbine and firing. Zombies roared as one and charged. 
Move, kid! Run! Jay and the rookie turned and ran through the earthen tunnel. June and Olivia took a seat on a wide bench next to Rebecca. The entire village was seated at benches set in a wide circle looking down into an open pit. What's going on? June asked. Shh! Rebecca hushed her. Fellow villagers, friends, family, we have worked hard today. Worked hard against the adversity the wasteland threw at us, the boss announced, stepping to the edge of the pit. We lost some folks today to injury. More importantly, we lost supplies. We lost food. The boss turned in a circle, watching the faces until he found June's, and he winked. Masters pushed the mech sensors to full, checking the screen. He had maybe 15 or 20 minutes before the waste storm was fully on him. Shit. The stomper, some semblance of awareness still intact, reached up to the cockpit, but safety protocols kicked in, preventing it from doing any damage. Masters stood up and grabbed the cockpit hatch and tried to yank it closed, but knew it wouldn't move. Not unless. Masters eyed the cerebral integration console, then looked out into the swirling maelstrom of the wasteland. Well... Guess I'm dead either way, he sighed, flicking the activation switch. Go! Go, 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 go! Jay yelled, pushing the rookie ahead of him. Do not stop running! Going! Fuck! Stop pushing! You're gonna knock me! Whoa! The rookie came to a screeching halt. Oh, fuck! Jay stopped himself just before slamming full force into the rookie. What the fuck, kid? Why the hell? Oh, shit. Jay and the rookie both stood at the edge of a 50-foot drop. They shined their halogens below, and the light reflected off a massive, churning river. And on the banks of that river were several hundred zombies. Guess we found the river, Jay said. Master stared out at the waste storm. He could see a cyclone had formed and would be on him in a matter of minutes. The debris inside the cyclone wouldn't completely destroy the mech, but it would shred him while the cockpit remained open. He sighed. Okay, Pilot Masters, now or never, he said to himself. No fucking guts, no fucking glory. Masters activated the cerebral integration process. Immediately his head snapped back and he screamed his pain as his mind was forced to share a system with another, very foreign, very dead consciousness. Masters struggled to keep his psyche intact. What's going on? June whispered. Hush! Rebecca scolded. Now, we have someone new to our ways here this evening, the boss continued. The villagers kept their gaze on the boss, ignoring June's presence. So I'm going to explain this to her. The boss turned and faced June. You see, Pilot Caprizi, we don't have the luxury of regular supply shipments. We live on the edge of starvation at all times. He paused, feigning sadness. Sometimes we do not have enough to go around. When that happens, like it has now, we have to... Well, thin our numbers a bit. How deep do you think it is, Jay asked. Pretty fucking deep, I hope, the rookie answered, eyeing the river. He looked from the water to the zombies on the bank, and then to Jay. The real question is whether we can make the jump and survive. The roars and growls were getting louder, and Jay could smell the debtors bearing down on them. I don't think we have much of a fucking choice, do you? Jay responded. The rookie looked behind them at the zombies nearly on top of them. No, we don't. Well, let's do this, Jay said. 
Master struggled to keep his sanity intact against the blackness that was the dead mech. I am Mitch motherfucking Masters! The best goddamn mech pilot in the motherfucking wasteland! He screamed. He focused his will against the debtors and pushed, shoved, and kicked the mental shit out of the abomination that tried to take him over. I do not want to die! He pushed harder, but the debtor started to push back, looking into him, into his mind, searching for the breaking point. And then it touched a place in Masters' mind it shouldn't have. Harlow. Masters growled. June watched as chunks carried an earthen jar about the circle, each villager putting their hand in and drawing a small tile. What's going on? June whispered. Hush! Rebecca scolded again. Yes, pilot. Hush, the boss mocked. This is a seriously grave moment for us. Please show some respect. Chunks, having made the full circuit, approached Olivia and Rebecca. They each drew a tile, neither looking at them. Before Chunks offered the jar to June, the boss stepped forward and took the jar from him. No, please allow me. The boss tilted the jar towards June, and she reached in. The rookie hit the water and felt every bit of air squeezed from his lungs. He was thrown about like a dead twig, his body tumbling, slamming into rocks. He struggled, lungs burning, screaming. He reached out, touched the sandy bottom, and pushed, orienting himself. Reaching, he felt his hand breach the surface, and he stretched, broke free, and gasped in the sweet air. He turned about, but with his halogen lost in the rapids, he was blind. He gasped again, but this time the air was not sweet. This time it smelled like rotten flesh. It smelled like debtors. Yeah, you see that, you debtor fuck? Big fucking mistake. You shouldn't have gone there, Master screamed mentally, opening up the part of himself that held Harlow. You know what that is, you fucking waste of scrap metal? That's love. That's devotion. That's my motherfucking soul! Master's fought fought within his very being and could feel the debtor weaken, feel it go, grow confused, lost. You don't know love, do you? Masters laughed aloud. You never will. Masters focused all his energy. The mech's cockpit hatch began to close in stops and starts. That's right. I'm Mitch motherfucking Masters! June stared at the tile in her hands. It was small and off-white, made of bone, she figured, knowing this lot, knowing the boss. On the tile was a faded red diamond etched into the bone itself. She looked at the tile and then up at the boss. The grin on his face was so big it nearly split his head in half. He closed his eyes and lifted his head to the twilight sky above. The village remained silent. Now, to be fair, the boss finally said, breaking his reverie, I'll draw also. He did so, and grinned slyly. The boss held his tile up for all to see. It was blank. He tossed it back in and handed the jar to Chunks, who proceeded to collect all the blank tiles from the villagers. Those with marked tiles remained unmoving, and June could see some of them struggle with their emotions. She looked at her own. What's this mean? June asked. She looked over at Olivia, who had tears in her eyes, and then looked at Rebecca, who was busy staring down at her own marked tile, a tile with a red diamond. It means you fight, Olivia choked. 
The rotten smell grew stronger, and the rookie realized he wasn't alone in the water. Jay! he yelled. Jay! Where the fuck are you? The rookie struggled against the noise of the rapids to hear a response. Jay! He did hear a low growl directly behind him, but before he could turn, he was slammed into a boulder by the current. His breath was knocked from him once again, and he gulped water. His chest wound blazed with pain, and he realized it had opened back up. Oh, shit, he thought. I'm leaving the debtors a trail right to me. Masters forced the dead mech's consciousness down, 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 until it was nothing but a dead-end piece of code. His head hurt like hell, and he was having trouble thinking straight. Keep it together, pilot, he scolded himself aloud. This is no time for weakness. With the cockpit closed, Masters focused on getting the mech moving. The thing could take quite a beating, but with a cyclone heading towards him, he needed to get the hell out of there. Stabbing pains shot through his skull, requiring all of his concentration to take one step, and then another, and another. Putrid hands grabbed the rookie about the shoulders and pushed him under. He blindly thrashed and fought against the debtor and was able to get to the surface for another breath before more hands grabbed him. He could feel them about him, and he kicked out, his foot sliding through something soft. He tried to pull back, but his foot was caught. He swung his arms wildly, his chest wound screaming, hoping he could keep the things off of him to keep them from biting. The current slammed him against a boulder and another and another. Then all went dark. Master saw the boulder coming at him, and he braced himself for the impact. The hill stomper shuddered as the waste storm drove the boulder into its right thigh. Masters' concentration faltered, and he almost succumbed to the blinding pain in his head, but he fought on, forcing the mech towards a nearby mesa. Masters realized his throat was raw from yelling, but the wind was so loud he couldn't hear himself. He walked the mech up to the mesa as close as it would go, shielding the cockpit up against the cliff wall. Then he promptly passed out. Matthew stopped his mech at the edge of a bluff that overlooked Windy City and gasped. Sweet Jesus, what the fuck happened here, he whispered. Before him, what was left of the city-state burned and smoldered, a red hazy glow against an early night sky. Oh, that's not good, he muttered. He powered up his weapon systems and jumped his mech off the bluff, rolling into a crouch as he landed, his plasma cannons ready. He checked his scanners, but the destruction was so great that he couldn't get a clean reading. Cautiously, he walked towards the city-state, guns up. You see, dear Rachel, the boss started, seating himself between June and Olivia. It's simple supply and demand. When we run low on supplies, the people demand blood. The people demand nothing, Olivia muttered. It's you who want the blood. Mother... Mother, the boss said, wrapping a hand around the back of Olivia's neck and squeezing. You just don't get me, do you? I love my people, he squeezed harder. And my people love me, or else. He stood suddenly. First two in the pit. Green triangles, Chunks called out. Two villagers, an older man and a younger woman, stood up. Matthew walked his mech to the edge of the burning city-state. He tried his scanners again, but still no decent readings. Damn, he swore. What the fuck happened here? He thought he saw movement through the collapsed city-state walls and moved closer, opening all comm channels. 
Attention, this is mech pilot Matthew Jespers. Can anyone hear me? Is anyone alive? I can offer assistance. He was met with nothing but static. Then, again, movement. He switched to loudspeakers. Attention, this is mech pilot... Matthew stopped short as the bulk of a dead mech stood up from the rubble. Aw, oh, shit. The older man began to weep and looked up at the boss. Please, sir, please don't make me do this, he pleaded. The young woman wasted no time, though, punching the man in the stomach, doubling him over. She immediately brought her knee up into his face, knocking him to the ground. With intense determination, she brought her bare foot down on his face, again and again, until his features were nothing but bloody pulp. Chunks leapt into the pit and checked the man's pulse. Dad... The woman pulled a tooth from her heel, then helped Chunks drag the body away. The debtor stood there, watching Matthew, a burnt corpse dangling from its fist, its cockpit open and zombie pilot thrashing inside. The debtor ripped the corpse in half and tossed the torso into the cockpit. The zombie fed ravenously, bits of charred flesh falling to the ground like fleshy crumbs. Matthew watched for a moment, then fired his plasma cannon. The zombie pilot disintegrated instantly. Matthew watched the dead mech stumble back, sway, and then finally collapse to the ground. And that's how you do that. Fuck me. Four more dead mechs revealed themselves, all in various stages of feeding. Black circles, Chunks announced. How many have to fight, June asked fingering the diamond on her tile over and over again. Four fights, the boss said. That's how many we need to die to live. We could just eat less, Olivia said. The boss backhanded her across the face. Or you could shut your fucking face! Two young men dropped into the pit. Ooh, now this looks like an even match. Should last a little bit longer, the boss said, smiling. The men greeted each other and embraced. Boo! Get a shack! The boss joked, elbowing June in the ribs. All weapons ready, Matthew backed away from what was left of Windy City. The dead mechs followed, walking through collapsed walls and broken buildings without a thought. Hey, fellas, I, I was just passing by, Matthew called over the lad's loudspeaker. Sorry about your friend there. It, it wasn't anything personal. One of the debtors dropped its meal and picked up the pace towards Matthew. Whoa there, big fella. I wasn't trying to interrupt your snack. You guys just carry on. The other dead mechs dropped their meals also. Okay, now, now you're just making me feel bad. Matthew eyed the debtors and fired. Commander, I'm picking up solid geothermal readings directly below this area, Jethro said. Caprizi looked out onto the nighttime landscape, assessing the location. Well, looks as good a place as any. Pilots, any thoughts? We've been awake for over 24 hours, so this looks pretty fucking perfect, Rachel answered over the calm, yawning. Fine by me, Harlow agreed. As long as I get first watch, Bisbee added. That means you're on breakfast duty, Caprizi said. Better me than Rachel, Bisbee joked. Hey, Rachel responded good-naturedly. Okay, then let's set camp, Caprizi said, stopping the transport. Biz, you set the perimeter. The villager that won the fight wept openly as he clambered from the pit. 
He strode past the circle and away from the rest of the villagers, his sobs slowly fading into the night. They were born the same day. They've been best friends since birth, Olivia said. I helped deliver them both. Boo fucking who, the boss mocked. Get on with it! Chunks waited until the body was removed from the pit, then hollered. Red diamonds! June's bladder nearly loosed. Without looking at her, Rebecca stood up and lowered herself into the pit. Pilot, you're up, the boss chuckled. A well-directed missile strike took out both legs of one of the attacking debtors as Matthew tried to pilot his mech back into Windy City, hoping to use the crushed remains of the buildings as cover. He could tell by their actions that none of the dead mechs he was dealing with were thinkers, but that was little comfort as the four left standing charged him. Unleashing a barrage of plasma fire, Matthew was able to slow two more down, but doubted he had put them completely out of commission. One of them lifted its own cannon and fired. Are we set? Caprizi asked, getting up from his seat and stretching. Yes, Commander, I have the transport anchored, Jethro responded, typing in his tablet. Ready to punch the hole. Fire away, mechanic. Jethro tapped twice, and a muffled whomp could be heard directly below the transport. Hole punch, sir. Checking readings now. Jethro studied his tablet for a minute. Looks good. Dropping cable. A whirring sound kicked in. Should only be a minute, and we'll have full power. Caprizi patted Jethro on the shoulder, mindful of the mechanic's discomfort. Great job, Jethro. We'd be dead out here without you. I don't want to hurt you, June pleaded to Rebecca as the two women faced off in the pit. Please, don't do this. If we refuse to fight, then we both get a bullet in the head, Rebecca snapped. Now get your fists up, girl, because I'm going to kill you. June stared at Rebecca for a moment, then nodded. I am sorry, Rebecca laughed. I've got 40 pounds on you. You'll have nothing to be sorry for. Neither will I when I crawl out of this shithole. Shut the fuck up and fight already, the boss goaded. Matthew easily dodged the debtor's wild shot, but in doing so he missed time to step and stumbled on some of the city-state rubble. He saw the ground coming at him and put his mech's hands out to stop his fall. Before he could right himself, two of the dead mechs were on him, pinning his mech to the ground. Fuck! He swore aloud, realizing a rookie mistake was going to mean the death of him. He thrashed about, trying to get his legs under him, but the debtors began to pummel the back of his mech relentlessly. Fuck! 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 And we have juice, Jethro announced over the comm. Great, Bisbee responded. I'll stick my schlong in it. Biz! Rachel scolded. What? Why do you hate that so much? Bisbee asked, unrolling a cable from his mech's leg and pulling it over to the transport. These cables have been called schlongs before you were born. Yeah, but considering two of the three pilots here are women, maybe you should think of a new name, Rachel responded. Hey, speak for yourself, girly, Harlow joined in. I'm pretty sure if we whip them out, my dick will be bigger than Bisbee's. Probably, Bisbee retorted. Matthew could hear the metal of his mech protesting against the weight of the beating it was taking. He fought and fought, but the other two dead mechs joined in and he was easily overpowered. Many thoughts ran through his head as the protesting of metal became the ripping of metal. He was glad he recorded a goodbye message to Rachel, but doubted if she would ever hear it. Shit, he didn't even know if she was alive, or if anyone at the base was. When his mech's left arm was torn from its frame, 
he began to pray. Rebecca was right. She did have 40 pounds on June, but she didn't have the training June had, and even with all of the abuse she had endured over the past couple days, June knew it wasn't going to be a contest. I'll leave, June yelled, easily dodging Rebecca's clumsy swipes. Just set me out in the wasteland. I don't need food or water. Dear, dear Rachel, the boss answered from the side of the pit. You don't get it. It's not about one less in number. It's also about one more for the larder, he chuckled. It's simple math. Caprizi helped set the perimeter poles several yards out from the transport and mechs. His carbine slung over his shoulder. He watched the pilots jack their cables into the transport's power junction, joking back and forth. He laughed to himself, thinking back to when Rachel was born and how he would never have bet she'd end up a mech head like her old man. He shut that thought loop down quickly, though, leaving that for his late-night subconscious to deal with. Caprizi set the last pole and turned to look out into the wasteland. Perimeter set, Jethro. Fire it up. The hydraulics on Matthew's mech's left leg exploded as a debtor stomped down hard. Matthew undid the clasp on his sidearm's holster and sighed. He pulled the pistol out and held it up to his face. I'm sorry, baby, he said aloud. I wish I could be with you right now. I guess we're all meant to go out in the same way, though, alone. He pulled back the slide, forcing a shell into the chamber. Thumbing the safety, he put the gun to his head. A thousand shots echoed about him, and Matthew, confused, looked at his pistol. June ducked another of Rebecca's swings and sighed. I really am sorry. Shut up and fight, you spoiled brat, Rebecca growled, her hair matted with sweat already, even though she hadn't landed one punch. I'll make it quick, June promised. She waited for another of Rebecca's wild swipes, and as the woman overextended herself, June stepped to the side, reached out, and took a hold of Rebecca's head in both of her hands, and twisted. The snap of Rebecca's neck echoed in the pit. She could hear Olivia's wail of sorrow immediately. Excellent, the boss smirked. All right, last fight! Matthew put the safety back on and reholstered his sidearm as more gunfire erupted. His mech systems were dead, so he couldn't check scanners. He was blind and helpless while something unseen opened fire with what sounded like 50 millimeters. His mech shifted as the weight of the mechs were lifted, their tension now on the new attacker. Matthew unstrapped, grabbed his survival pack and carbine, and reached for the emergency hatch release. Even with his mech face down, the hatch was supposed to separate enough for him to squeeze out. He yanked hard. Nothing. Matthew's shoulders slumped in defeat. The boss offered June a hand out of the pit, but she slapped it away and dug her fingers into the earth, pulling herself out. She turned away from him and looked for Olivia, but she was gone, her bench seat empty. In fact, most of the seats were empty, except for a few friends and family of the last two fighters. June felt the boss's arm slide across her shoulders, turning her back to the pit and to him. That was a nice move down there, he whispered in her ear. Don't even think of trying that on me. Matthew could hear the battle around him, and he focused on the sounds, trying to piece together the fight in his head. He heard the blast of a plasma cannon, and the resulting explosion as the blast hit its target. The 50-millimeter guns never stopped firing, and the sound of metal being pierced and torn was near deafening. Two more explosions shook his mech, and then one of the deaders slammed to the ground right next to him. 
Matthew put his hands out to brace himself as he was shaken by the impact. And like that, it all went silent. Every time June turned her head from the last fight, the boss grabbed her chin and forced her to look. I'll slice your eyelids off, so don't even think of closing those pretty peepers of yours, he growled. I want you to see how the rest of the world lives and dies. The fight was finished quickly as a small girl was put down brutally by a well-muscled middle-aged man. June could swear the man enjoyed himself as he crushed the girl's skull with his boot. Well, the boss said, I don't know about you, but I'm starving. Matthew held tight as his mech was flipped onto its back and the cockpit hatch ripped off. Stock still, he stared up into the battle-scarred features of a new dead mech. He was positive this one wasn't with the others. He tried to reach over for his carbine, although he knew the rifle would be ineffective against the war machine. Immediately, the debtor lifted its right arm and shoved its glowing plasma cannon at him. Matthew slowly pulled his arm back. He heard loud footfalls and his jaw dropped as he watched Mini-Mech 1 stand next to the debtor. You have been listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel. The preceding episode was recorded and produced by the author. The intro music was Miles and Miles by Lake Crest. Outro music is Destroy by The Eternal. Both tracks available at podsafeaudio.com. Title graphic by Ed Delaney. Find him at peculiarcomics.com. This recording is protected by a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivative works, United States 3.0 license. You can share it, copy it, and give it to anyone you want. Just don't edit it, change it, or try to make any money off it without direct permission from the author. Thank you for listening. My head is spinning. Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast of Dead Mech. Don't want to wait until next week for a new episode? Go subscribe at jakebible.substack.com and you'll get access to all episodes right now. Or you can go to my website or any major retailer and get the audiobook narrated by Julie Hoverson. You can also get the ebook, which is free on all major retailer sites, as well as my own store. Go to jakebible.com for more info. Thanks, y'all. Cheers.